to hit this in a fast and furious manner this morning as we get into God's Word. I want to talk to you about choices. A couple weeks ago, of course, Brother Rod was here last week. I appreciate y'all loving on him so much. He always leaves here so encouraged by the love of you guys. And so thank you for the way you reach out and honor him so well. But a week before that, I was talking about the challenges, the crises that God sends to our life. And some of you need to hear this. Maybe you weren't here a few weeks ago. But if you're going to have an epic story, epic stories always have some type of challenge. And if you don't have any challenges, your life's going to, if your life were a movie, your life would be really boring. And we don't want to have boring stories. Amen. We want to have our, we want our lives to reflect God. We want our lives to reflect his kingdom. We want our lives to reflect his story. And his story is anything but boring. I used to run into teenagers as I was a youth pastor for years and teenagers was, ah, I don't want to go to church. You know, it's boring. I don't want to go to youth group. It's boring. I don't want to follow the Lord. He's boring. And how many know the fact of the matter is God is not boring. I'm boring. Maybe you're boring, but God's not boring. The problem is never God's story over our lives. The problem is sometimes we don't allow him to write it. We like to write our stories and keep things very neat, safe, predictable. Am I speaking to the right group? We don't like to rock the boat. We prefer not to have any challenges or crises in our life and just keep it nice and smooth. But I'm just telling you, that's not the way the kingdom of God works. And let me just tell you something else. While you think you might want that for your life, let me rescue you from a boring existence. That's not what you want for your life. You don't want to be a couch potato. You don't want to be a channel surfer. You don't want to, you want to, you want your life to matter. Am I talking to the right crowd? Come on. But if you're left to your own, I promise you, you will have a very boring story because by nature we default to the very things I already mentioned. But that's not how God operates. And so I want to encourage you that with every crisis, with every challenge, God is going to demand a response from us, a choice that we have to make to join him if he's in the business of writing our story. Now, let me give you a great scripture verse. This is Hebrews chapter 10. I'm skipping ahead a little bit here this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, and I love the way the Message Bible paraphrases this. It says, you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan, so you'll be there for the promised completion. How many of you know part of our problem is we don't stick it out? We don't stay with God's plan. When the heat gets up, when we start getting squeezed, when we're, when God's trying to shake us up, trying to get us to give the 100%, not just the 50%, those are the moments when we check out, when we quit. And I just want to tell you, if you could have the Lord lift you from ground level where our sight's limited, to the 30,000 foot level and you could see, hey, I'm almost to the destination. I guarantee you it would, it would allow you to hold on tight and you wouldn't quit so easy. I know my dad could say this having pastored a few years. If he had a nickel for every man that quit or gave up before he finished his race or before he saw the completion of the thing he was fighting for, he'd be a rich man. The problem is we don't stick it out. When you're in the midst of a crisis, you have to make the choice to stay with God. You have to make the choice to stay in faith, and you have to make the choice not to give up on God's plan, for then you'll receive the promised completion. For every challenge comes a choice. And I want to remind you that the choices you make today are going to determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. 
Now, you, some of you all need to hear this. I love it when men come back from encounters when they've made some choices with God. How many of you know sometimes a man will make a choice at an encounter that changes the entire trajectory of his life? There are some men that said, you know what, I've not been a very godly father. I've not been a very godly husband, but God help me. How many of you know that choice when it's made from a sincere heart changes the directory, the direction and trajectory of your marriage, your kids? There are generations that follow after you that are based on the choice that you made. And so there's some men in this room even now, maybe young men in this room, you need to understand that the, the quality of, of life that you have in terms of God, in terms of spiritual leadership, in terms of loving your family, is going to have a ripple effect for generations to come. It's not a matter of, well, I'm sick of this, I'm sick of that, I'm quitting, I'm out of here. Your choice to be out of here could scar the next generation and next generation and set a whole negative pattern of inheritance, whereas your choice for righteousness sends you on a completely different path. Choices matter. And how we respond to crises and challenges matter. Not just for you, but if you could look through the history of generations to follow you, you're going to see an inheritance, a download that matters. It's so important that we respond to the Lord properly. Some of these choices that we make are defining moments. You know, one of the powerful things about Encounter Weekends, or if you've ever done a timeline in, in anticipation of sharing your testimony, you don't have to dig in your remembrances to be able to identify moments that are defining moments. What I mean by that is maybe there are times when maybe there was abuse, times when there was neglect. Those are those negative things that shape us and mold us and there's a thumbprint on us, a demonic thumbprint left on our lives. How many of you know there are high water marks? There's defining moments when you chose righteousness, when you stepped out in faith, when God did things that, that you trust him to do and you have answers to prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you know when you gave your life to Jesus? That's a defining moment. I was talking today. I, I, I pursued that woman right there 35 years ago, and I asked her to marry me. Bingo, that was a score right there. All right, I'm just telling you. That was a defining moment in my life and continues to be a defining moment. If I would not have seized that moment, there's eight kids on this planet that would not be here. That means there's spouses that would not be here. That means there's grandbabies that would not be here. You get the point. These defining moments mark us Forever, And they not only mark us, they mark the next generation. Some of you right now this morning, you're in a defining moment of your life. There are choices that you need to make. There are decisions in front of you. There are challenges facing you. And hear me, what you choose to do with those things will set a course on where you're headed in the weeks and days and months and years to come. I don't know how, how better to frame this. It's so important. The challenges require a response, a faith-filled response from us. Let me move on. I want to talk about Jesus, for instance. How about this? We just got done celebrating communion. How many of you know a defining moment in my life was the Garden of Gethsemane? How about you? How about a defining moment for Jesus? How about the defining moment of all defining moments, the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus was confronted with a challenge, a crisis a choice that needed to follow. And in John chapter 12, it says this, knowing he was about to be crucified, Jesus cried out, and here's what he cried out to the Lord. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? How I many you know that's a crisis moment right there? The cross is before him, the most wicked, demonic, 
form of torture ever invented by fallen sinful people. He knows exactly what's awaiting him. He knows exactly the scourging, the beating, the mockery. He knows that God at some point is not going to be able to look upon him as the sin of the world is placed on his shoulders. He understands all this. How many of you know you and I are hanging in the balance? Anybody glad to be born again this morning? Anybody glad that the blood of Jesus covered your sin? None of that would have happened if Jesus would have quit the plan, if he would not have stayed the course. How many of you know it takes courage to choose to do what's right in a moment of crisis? Crisis, as we said a few weeks ago, reveals your character. It shows you what's in your heart. Are you going to be a coward or are you going to be courageous? Are you going to be a liar or are you going to tell the truth? Are you going to stay in the gap or are you going to run from the enemy? Crisis will determine the depth of your character. What are you made of? It also determines or reveals the depth of your convictions. What do you believe in? And we said, thirdly, it reveals the commitment level that you have. In other words, how intensely do you believe in what you believe? Because many people say they believe something, but when the going gets rough, they throw it overboard. They quit. They, and all of a sudden, they don't really believe in that as much as they thought they did. So these are the things that Jesus demonstrates for us at the most decisive moment in human history. Jesus ends by saying this, Father, should I pray, save me from this hour? He says, no, but this is the very reason that I came. Father, bring yourself glory. Bring glory to your name. It was that defining moment that set the course for the cross and everything else that happened. Aren't you glad Jesus had character and conviction and commitment, and he made the right choice at the most difficult crisis moment of his life. He made the right choice. How many of you know if we're going to embrace God-sized dreams, they're going to scare the daylights out of us? In fact, let me just tell you this. If you're not scared, you're probably not with God. Are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? Are you putting yourself in the place of the same people in the Bible that I'm reading about? There's not a one of them that said yes to the Lord and had a cakewalk after that. There's not a one of them that said yes to Jesus and signed up for the love boat cruise to the Caribbean. All right? Didn't happen. In fact, just the opposite. I shared in week one, we were made by God and for God. We were born by his purpose and for his purpose, which means this. Your life and my life are meant to be an expression of his dream. And let me just tell you this. His dream is not boring. His dream is adventuresome. How many of you like adventure? How many of you like it better in somebody else's life? All right. How many of you like it better in your lazy boy with popcorn while you're watching somebody else be adventurous? In fact, this is kind of interesting. The definition of adventure is this. It's an undertaking or enterprise of a hazardous nature. It comes with great risk and significant cost. You know, most of us like to play it safe, if the truth be told. We like to watch adventure in somebody else's life because we're not all sure we like that risk word. We're not sure we really like that sacrifice word. But let me just convince you again, you do not want a risk-free, sacrifice-free life. You will be boring and irrelevant. Trust me on this. You want to be living on the edge. You want somebody pushing you. You are most alive when somebody's pushing you out of your comfort zone. You are most alive when you're making sacrifices that matter. That's when you feel alive. 
I was sharing with first service. You know, I've never been to Pakistan. I understand it's a Muslim country. I understand uh, it's not like America. I understand that in two days, I'm going to walk out on a stage and face thousands of people I've never met before. I understand when you're in a crusade, I've never preached a crusade. I'm doing two. I, yeah. Uh, I understand that when you preach a crusade, you don't go out there with your notes. When you preach a crusade, you don't preach from here, you preach from here. Which means if you're not carrying anything in here, you're not going to have anything to say. Which is scary. I don't know what I'm talking about. But you know what's going to happen? I'm going to feel so alive because I'm going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be so alive because I'm going to have to let God lead me. It's like jumping out of an airplane, all right, and and flying, which I've never done before either. In fact, I wanted to do that. I had a thought to do that, and my wife said, I ain't raising these eight kids by myself. That's exactly what she said. All right. My point is this. We live in a culture where we have to create all kinds of fake adrenaline rushes. When if we just joined God's story, we'd have real adrenaline rushes with real people, real needs, real opportunities to impact people's lives, a real encounter with a supernatural God. Are you all with me out there? And God is no respecter of persons. I heard Erwin McManus talking. Somebody said to him, man, I would love to have an exciting life like you. And he says, God's no respecter of persons. You can have the same life I have. You just need to choose to do the same things I do. Do you want an exciting life? Do you want an epic life? Do you want God writing your story? Do you want to join him? How many of you know when you link yourself up with God, things get crazy? Let's get crazy around here. That's what I'm talking about. Let me give you some examples. I love these stories about, about people in the Bible that simply made choices, and they, they released amazing things. I love what Craig Rochelle says here. He says, the difference between where you are and where God wants you to be may be the painful decision that you refuse to make. Isn't that good? The difference between where you are and where God wants you to be is simply a painful decision that you keep avoiding or I keep avoiding. Take a look at some of these decisions. Do you all remember that story in the Bible with Jonathan and the armor bearer? Jonathan has this crazy idea. Hey, me and you, just the two of us, let's go pick a fight with the whole Philistine army. Yeah, that's a good idea. How many know that is stupid in the natural? That's a great way to get killed. But look at what it says here. Jonathan says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. This is 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, he said, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has lots of soldiers or only a few. And I want you to see this armor bearer, because he's drinking the same Kool-Aid. This is crazy. He says, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. Let me warn you, watch out who your friends are. In fact, I want to say this on the positive light. Make sure you choose Jesus-loving, risk-taking, sacrifice-making, godly people to hang out with because you're going to have an exciting life. Let me tell you something else. Make sure you are part of a church family that likes to take risks because you're going to stay excited and full of faith and you're going to have to trust God. How many of you know the armor bearer was just serving the vision of his man of God? 
He was just following Jonathan. Jonathan says, hey, all right, I know this sounds crazy, but notice the line of thinking. God doesn't need a lot of soldiers to win a battle. He's God. Two of us plus God is more than all those people, all those soldiers. That's that's just the way faith-filled, epic kind of living people need to think. We're, We're hooked up with God. What is impossible for God? Nothing is impossible for God. But I love this armor bearer. The armor bearer says this, hey, if you're up for it, I'm with you. Sometimes in life, your job is not to be steering the ship. Your job is to be a support cast. And I want to encourage you when you're following men or women of God and there's a vision that's shared and it goes, and the first thing you want to say is, wow, that's impossible. How many of you know it just might be a God vision? In fact, God dreams big things that are beyond us. Some of what you need to do is lock your shield with somebody who's a little bit farther along or who's, who's experienced something one more time than you or something like that. But you just need to join them because this guy's destiny was forever changed. Can you imagine this armor bearer when now he's a grandpa and he's got his grandkids around him? And I guarantee you, because you know how grandpas are, they like telling stories. And you're not telling stories of your failures. You're telling stories of your glory. You all know what I'm talking about. This armor bearer is going to be telling his grandkids, hey, let me tell you, when I hung out with Jonathan, what we did, we destroyed with God the whole Philistine army just because the two of us went on a little journey to, to pick a fight. They picked a fight. Some of you might not be picking a fight with Philistines, but some of you today need to pick a fight with the enemy. Some of you need to hear the little thing God's asking you to do and step out and do it. I love my wife's heart. She came up to me during first service right after worship. She said, oh, I'm so excited. I said, why are you so excited? She said, I just feel like God gave me a download of some people I need to get together with and meet while you're over in Pakistan. I'm so excited. What was that all about? God began to write his dream in her heart. She got excited about him. And now she's making some strategic, epic choices to do some follow-up and to connect with some certain people God laid on her heart. What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen because I know my wife. Whenever she gets those downloads, if you're one of those people she's going to be meeting with, get ready. Because it's going to be good. God gives you impressions. God gives you invitations. God gives you still small voice. And what does he want from you? A faith-filled choice to join hands with him. You all know what I'm talking about? I hope you do. How about David and Goliath? I love this story. In fact, all the Bible stories, man, every one of them has a major challenge and a major faith-filled response. This is in 1 Samuel 17. David replied to the Philistine, talking about Goliath. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This picture is so I picture, I mean, if you could think of the most incredible athlete, strong, agile, amazing warrior. I mean, our culture is full of amazing athletes. I mean, I think of somebody like six foot eight LeBron James, although he probably need to be another foot taller, but somebody that's an amazing athlete, sword, spear, I mean, just like a, like a lion, all right? Agile, quick, strong. And then you got David, this little punk kid that they just took out of the nursery. And he's standing there. You have defied the armies of the living God. I mean, are you, are you kidding me? 
And he's looking at him like, who is this? Look what happens next. I love this. Every guy in this place, this, this is like stuff that guys should get off on. Listen to me today. Look at, he goes on. His speech continues. Today, little David says, the Lord will conquer you. Oh, and he goes on. And I will kill you and cut off your head. Oh, let me add, with your own sword. That's in the Bible. But here's what I want you to see. Was there anywhere where David had a revelation from an angel where God told him to go do this? I mean, why was David there? He brought cheese and crackers to the front lines. But I want you to see what happened. When he got out to the front lines, he watched this giant blaspheming his God. And you know what? He took it personal. He said... He's looking around at all these guys hiding in the holes. Not do He's looking at the leader, Saul. He's not doing anything. And David just has anger and fire in his heart. Do you know sometimes the fire of God in your heart is just God stirring you up, and he's just waiting for you to take the first step? And do you know that when you step out for the Lord, he automatically backs you up? I love this. The Lord is going to take you down. Oh, but I'm going to do the one killing and cutting your head off. He, some, some of you need to say this right now to the devil and to the plans of the enemy over your life. You know, it's okay to walk out in your backyard late at night when everybody's asleep and just say, you know, devil, God's going to take you down. That's right. And you know what? I'm going to be the one that cuts your head off and spits in your ugly little face. I mean, just it's okay to do Christian trash talk. All right? It's okay. Because you know what happens when you talk like that? It stirs you up on the inside. You might not be the most macho person out here. You're not looking for a street fight. But in the spirit, you can talk this way. In the spirit, you are big. In the spirit, it's like Superman lives in you, the Lord Jesus Christ. You carry authority in God. David is out there for nobody's business. In fact, everybody's saying, what are you doing out here? Get back. You don't belong here. But he had anger in his heart toward the enemies of God. How about Mary? Mary's just a sweet little Mary. Remember when the angel shows up to her and says, look, you're going to carry the Savior of the world in your womb. Kind of a big deal. Scary deal. Mary says this in, in Luke 138, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Some of you just need that. That needs to be your response today. Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want, I'm your servant Whatever you want. You know, that's a great prayer. That's a great choice to surrender to God like that and to yield to him. Let me end with this one. Peter, walking on the water, he asked Jesus, Lord, if that's really you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus simply says, come. And guess what happened next? This dude's walking on the water. Now, we all laugh and make tell the story that Peter's sinking. But how many of you know Peter's the only one telling his grandkids, <laughs> I was walking on the water. Seriously? Well, yeah, just for a short time, and then I freaked out. But, hey, I was out there. I got out of the boat. You know, we talk about Peter's lack of faith. The rest of the guys were holding pillows and sucking their thumb in the boat. Are you kidding me? Peter actually had a vision. Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. Come. He's over, over the boat. Some of you this morning hear me. You need to get out of the stinking boat. Get out of your boat. 
I'm bored. I'm stuck. I'm in a rut. Do something that requires faith. Go after God. Do something that pushes you. Do something that takes that faith muscle and makes you exercise it so you don't fall into atrophy. You all know what I'm talking about. Push yourself. Do something different. Go after God. Increase your prayer life. Determine you're going to witness to somebody this week. Look for God-open opportunities to choose righteousness. I love this story of Rahab. The Bible just calls her Rahab the prostitute. You know the story. She had heard about the children of Israel. When they came into the land, everybody in Jericho was freaking out over the power of God. And she made a choice that forever changed her life. Some of you, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to do the same thing. This was her choice. She said, you know what? I'm going to protect these spies, and I'm going to make a deal with them. I'm going to make a choice. And she said, hey, here's the deal. If I protect you, will you protect me and my entire household? We, we believe in your God. She committed an act of treason at that moment against her own nation. She hid those spies. Remember when they came, they said, hey, where are the spies at? We know they're here. She said, no, they took off that direction. If you leave now, you can catch up to them. She hid them really good. You remember the story. The Bible says Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies sent to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now, check this out. This is stunning. We're informed scripture and the scripture that Rahab married an Israelite. His name was Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N, Salmon, who was the son of Boaz, who became the husband of Ruth whose son was Obed, whose son was Jesse, whose son was David, the king of Israel. And if you follow her lineage long enough, you'll find that the blood of Rahab flowed through the veins of Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, this is crazy because some of you are thinking, you know, my past is too, too shady, all right? Uh, I've, I've done too many wicked things. I've made too many bad choices. I have too many defining moments. And I just want to ask you this question. The Bible is full of people with shady past. In fact, if anybody ever asks you, how do you know the Bible's true? Just say, look at the genealogy of Jesus. If you were Jesus, would you put a prostitute in your genealogy? Would you put a murderer in your genealogy? Would you put an adulterer in your genealogy? How many of you know the whole genealogy of Jesus is marked with normal, broken people who could have been defined by their past? But here's someone that needs to hear this today. A prostitute's single choice made a defining moment of faith in her life to follow the living God and set her on a trajectory that is completely different. She marries a godly man. She has godly kids, godly grandkids, all the way down King David. Keep following the line. And you have Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, comes through the bloodline of a prostitute who in one moment's time made one defining choice that forever changed her life. She's no longer remembered in the eyes of the Lord as a prostitute. She's one of the great, 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 great grandmas in the line of Jesus. This is stunning. Somebody in this room needs to get a hold of this today. Stop letting your past define your future. It requires a choice to believe that the cross is mo is powerful enough to wipe away the shame and the guilt from your past defining moments. 
Some of you in this room have been defined perhaps by divorce, defined by pornography, defined by drugs, defined by alcohol, defined by violence, defined by being a quitter. There's so many things that the devil has tried to mark our lives with and write our story with. In one moment, one of the lowest of the lows, one of the most dirty of the dirty, a perverted, broken, sinful lady who spent her life doing things that God himself forbids us to do, in one moment's time, she makes a choice that changes everything. I believe there are people here this morning, you're one faith-filled choice away from God doing something remarkable in your life. You're one faith-filled choice away from God changing the directory of your life. You know, I'm believing that there are men this weekend at that encounter that encountered Jesus in a way and dealt with some things in a way that you'll look back and you'll say, you know, from that encounter till now, as you look into the future, you'll say, that was a defining moment in my life. Another defining moment in my life was when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God rocked my world, changed my life forever. My first missions trip, defining moment. God deposited something in me that has stayed in there forever. I remember being at a conference with a man prophesying over somebody about his kids and that word so stirred my heart that as soon as the session ended, I literally ran to the altar. I laid up my face. I bawled my eyes out. I said, God, I want to have godly children who love you and who pursue you. I want my kids to be warriors in the kingdom of God. I remember that moment, just me and God. Everybody left the service. The sanctuary was empty. The service was over. But I grabbed a hold of that prophetic word. I still remember that. You will not remember the moments in your life that you played it safe. But you will remember the moments in your life when you took a step of faith, when you risked, when you sowed money into something and you're like, how am I going to pay this? I shared first service. I had a situation this week. We were supposed to buy some furniture. We needed to have $1,000. This week, somebody blessed us with with a, a gift out of nowhere. And how many of you know when you get a gift like that, you could think of a 100 ways to spend that gift? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because we certainly had ways where that money could go. God began to speak to my heart after hearing Pastor John's heart that I needed to take at least half of that and sow that into Pakistan, which I was excited to do. But then I know I needed to tell my wife that the money we were supposed to be saving up just went out the window, all right? Um, it's seed cast out. I hadn't even told her what was in my heart yet, and she got a text from one of our dear sisters here saying that somebody had purchased the furniture for us. Now, that all happened before I even got to utter what God told me to do. So I'm just telling you, we had 3000 from the church. We were able to joyfully write that check out of gratitude to God for $1,000 for Bibles and buses. I'm saying, I'm just letting you into my world. Sometimes God is answering the prayer before you can even utter what you know you're going and getting ready to do. This is what I'm talking about. What is God asking you to do? It's probably that thing that you dismissed right away because it was too freaky, scary, too costly for you to do. That's the thing he's telling you to do. And if your life is boring right now, it's because you're boring. God is not boring. God is the definition of pulsating, vibrant, awesome life. Everything he touches turns to life. 
God even takes the junk from our past and transforms it into something stunningly beautiful if we will let him. I'm inviting you to, here's the picture the Holy Spirit gave me. Some of you are floating, you know, you're at the water park. You're in the lazy river. It's so great. Sun's beating down on you. You're spraying. You're drinking your lemonade. And here's here's what the truth of the story is. God's inviting you to go on the most radical new roller coaster in the park. And you're like, what? I'm really comfortable here. But you know what else? You're bored here because it's a fake river and you've been around in circles 35 times. (laughs) Get out of your fake river. And at least go down a real river where there's some uncertainty. How is it that God's asking you to get out of the lazy river? What's it, what does that look like in your life? I guarantee you, here's what it looks like. It will stretch you. It will make you feel uncomfortable. It will push you out of your zone. But here, here's my promise. You'll be so alive when you're done. And here's my other promise. It becomes addicting. See, the reason I take Dr. Brent with me whenever I can, my brother-in-law, is because he's an adrenaline junkie. He likes to push the edge. The times when we're supposed to rest, he'll want to play. He'll want to go climb a sand dune. He'll want to do something. He'll want to meet some camels. I don't know what he's going to want to do over there, but he will constantly push us to adventure. I'm grateful for guys like that in my life because I'm really boring by nature. I need people like him in my life. But he needs people like me to save him so he can do more things like that. So we make a really good team. All right. Here's what I want you to do. We're wrapping up right now. If you know that there's a choice in your life God's wanting you to make now, okay, pop to your feet. We're not going to have you come up. I'm not going to lay hands on you. Just as an act of faith, you know there's a decision you have to make. Hop to your feet. This, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to make that decision. You don't have to dig around for what it is. You already know what you're supposed to do. All right? You guys hop to your feet. Good. Lots of you in here. Now, here's what I want you to see. I'm going to make a faith-filled choice to believe God and, and stay with him until we see the outcome. Okay? I'm not going to quit before it's too soon here. I'm going to hold on. Now, here's the other folks I want to get up. If you are one of those people that's been conveniently floating around in the same circle on the, on the little lazy river, but you're ready to step into a little bit more high adrenaline lifestyle of faith, I want you to stand up. We want to pray for you guys this morning. Hop to your feet. You're getting off the lazy river. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No more lazy rivers. All right. Good, good, good. Now, the rest of you, you guys stand to your feet. I'm assuming you're raving maniacs already. And, uh, and you're going to go kill some giants this week or do something radical. I just want to release a spirit of faith. Ask the Holy Spirit to release faith in our hearts. So let's pray for one another right now. Lord, for those that stood up with a very clear decision that they know they need to make, I thank you for faith to do it. I thank you that they'll step out of this place today and they're going to act. Make sure you act on what you're committing to do and you watch how God begins to move in your life. Father, we just, I see us taking, oh, this is a great picture. You're laying there on your lazy river raft and you grab a knife out of your pocket and you puncture the raft and now you're sinking in the lazy river. 
And it's boring now because you're walking and the lifeguard's saying, get out, dude, you got to have a raft. And he's forcing you out of the lazy river. And now you have to do something exciting. Go get in the line for that killer roller coaster, all right? Say, God, here I am. Use me. This is the prayer of Mary today. Lord, take my life and use me. Can you say that with me? Lord, take my life. Use me. Let's say it again. Lord, take my life and use me. That's a dangerous prayer. Now, Lord, you heard it, and I just pray that you fill us with lots of opportunities. God's saying there's going to be doors of opportunity this week. Step through them. Opportunities to share. Open your mouth. Opportunities to serve. Roll up your sleeves. Opportunities to love. Make sure you go love somebody. Opportunities for healing and relationships. Pick up that phone. Make a phone call. There's opportunity all around us. Lord, we're going to step through the door of opportunity this morning. Lord, thank you for the stories that will come out of this body of people. Thank you for the legacy that will be left from this church family. Lord, we pray that your legacy through us will echo through the ages. And Lord, that on the great day when we're all together, God, that there'd be opportunities for people to say, thank you, Living Stones, for what you did. Thank you for investing in our nation. Thank you for training our pastor. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, help us see beyond the end of our nose and realize that our choices today will literally echo throughout eternity. Lord, we love you, we honor you, we give ourselves to you now, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for what he's doing. Hallelujah.